you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. And for some weeks now, I have been talking, we've been sharing about the, what we're calling the Red Sea Experience. The Red Sea Experience was that, that incomparable story, true story, that happened many, many hundreds of years ago. The people of Israel, the descendants of Jacob, had made their way into Egypt during a famine time. And, and then over the course of the years that followed, the people uh, went into a, a, a time of slavery. The people of Israel were enslaved by the people of Egypt. And uh, perhaps you know the story, the, the high points is that it became very, very difficult for those people. And over the course of time, God still honoring his promises, he raised up a man named Moses. And Moses was used by God to deliver his people, God's people, out of the land of Egypt. And so you see that all of those events happening in the early part of the book of, of Exodus. Now, with, uh, with uh, all of those plagues, those judgments from God that came that set God's people free, uh, there finally came that day, and we looked at this a few weeks ago, it came that day where, where God's people marched out of Egypt. They began making their way east towards their, their homeland, towards their ancestral homeland. And, and, and they were excited, they were joyous, and it was happening, finally happening. What they'd longed for, for for centuries was now suddenly upon them. They felt privileged to be the ones who were going to experience this. Not too long after they had departed in great victory and carrying many of the spoils of Egypt, they made their way to this body of water, the Red Sea. And we're not exactly sure where this is uh, in according to today's geography, but they made their way to the Red Sea. We also know that after releasing God's people, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, uh, had second thoughts. The Bible says God hardened his heart. He, he became hardened because of the presence of God. And, and uh, he, he wanted to go back and, and, and pull these people back into slavery. So the Bible says in, uh, in chapter 14 that, that uh, he, with his armies, began pursuing them and following them. So we talked about this again in previous weeks and how the, the, uh, the people of Israel were caught in this most difficult of places. They have a body of water in front of them and they have a pursuing army behind them. The, uh, when, they, when they found out that this was happening, that Pharaoh was in pursuit, the Bible says that many of the people responded uh, with a, a great lack of faith. They had seen God work these miracles that had set them free, but now suddenly when they hear that the enemy is coming again to re-enslave them or perhaps in their minds even kill them, they, uh, they began to turn. They turned against Moses. They perhaps turned against each other, and they certainly turned against God. They said to Moses, you know, were there not enough graves in, in Egypt that, that you brought us out here to die? Didn't we say? And there's a lot of second guessing. There, there's a lot of people that were saying, I told you so that we should not have come out here. And, and, and we pointed out that, that crisis, times of crisis, reveals true character. What was in these people was coming out in a time of, of great crisis. I know that in our nation right now, collectively, we're going through a number of things. And uh, it, is, it is a time of great tension. I don't know if, if crisis perfectly captures it, but it's certainly a challenging time. And we're seeing character come out, and we're seeing uh, both good and bad. We're, we're seeing people under pressure doing and saying things that... that uh, 
we're maybe there all along, but now we're seeing it again, both the, the good and the bad. The Bible says that when this happened in verse 13 of Exodus 14, um, it says this, Moses then answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Last week's message, and if you want to access that, you can, you can go back and it's archived. You can watch that or listen to it. But we pointed out here those two statements. The first one, do not be afraid. And we pointed out how many hundreds of times in Scripture, a variation of that statement is made. Do not be afraid or fear not. Hundreds of times. This is the first time. And then the second statement that was made there, uh, stand firm or stand fast, another, another uh, translation says, or hold still, essentially saying don't run. That too, that statement, stand firm or a very close variation of it, is found 34 times in Scripture where we, as God's people, are told to stand firm. We see this again and again, but here on this first occasion, where uh, this is the first occasion in which we're seeing these statements in Scripture. It was one of the most important moments of these people's existence, one of the most important times in the history of the Jewish people. They were difficult directives. Don't be afraid and stand firm when everything in you wants to run, when, when the people around you want to run, when you want to run in terror of what is happening or what might happen. These kinds of things happen in various ways at various times of all kinds of people. Directives that were given to them then are still for us today. Do not be afraid and stand firm on what God has promised. I ended last week's message with verse 15 of Exodus 14 that reads this way. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Another translation says, uh, puts it this way, tell the people of Israel to go forward. So you have these three directives. The first one, do not be afraid. The second one, stand still or stand firm. And then the next directive was very clear, and that is to go forward. There are times when God says to us, don't be afraid. I, I have this. Uh, stand firm on the promises that I've given you. And then there's also a statement, there are times when God says to us, now we are to move forward. Go forward. The thing is, with these people in Exodus 14, in this great Red Sea experience, they're to move forward into what? What are they to move forward into? I mean, there's still deep water in front of them. I wonder when they heard this statement that they're to move forward, I wonder if the previous statement, stand firm, didn't sound just a little bit better. <laughs> move forward into this body of water. What are we to do? But I want you to notice, again, in Scripture, perhaps you have the Bible there in front of you, that God told them to go forward, but he told Moses how it would happen. Now, I don't know exactly what they heard and when they heard it, but just looking at the text, God told the people to go forward, but he told Moses how it was going to happen. He told the leader, this is, this is where we're going, or this, is, this is how it's going to happen. I don't know if the people had heard that yet. They would, but I don't know that they had heard it yet. Verse 16 
uh, is, is the directive that God gave to Moses. He said, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through and go through the sea on dry ground. So this, again, was the direction to Moses. Now, in your Bibles, look at verses 19 and 20. It reads this way. The angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. This is one of those scriptures where I would like to see it lived out rather than simply read it. Maybe someday we'll see the, the recording of that when we get to heaven. But I want you to understand that two things happen. It says here in these verses that two things happened. First of all, it says the angel of the Lord withdrew and moved. Now, I don't know exactly what that looked like. <laughs> I don't know if it was something that was, could be seen with the eye or just seen with the spirit or experienced with the spirit. But somehow, it's recorded here, somehow the angel of the Lord, it says, withdrew and moved. And then secondly, the pillar of cloud also moved. So two things happened right in rapid succession. This visible phenomenon, and we know that the, the pillar of cloud, it was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. We do know that this, phys this visible phenomenon had led them since they had left Egypt. Not too many days before, uh, Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, in the previous chapter, it says that this cloud went before them. So as they're leaving Egypt some days before, some time before, it led them, it was in front of them. But here, here, uh, it, 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 something had changed. It says the holy cloud, this, this visible phenomenon, uh, along with the angel of the Lord, moved from in front of them and went behind them, between them and the advancing enemy. I want you to, if you can, picture this in your mind. I wonder if those people who had, even in this short time, been accustomed to seeing the presence of God in this in this, uh, this pillar of cloud that was always in front of them, I wonder what they thought when they suddenly saw it move around or move over and go behind them. I wonder what they thought. What's happening? Why is, why is this happening and why now? Did it bother them that God was changing it up just a little bit? You know, the character of God never changes. He loves us. He cares for us, he is holy, he is pure, and he is all-powerful. But sometimes he does things that we don't expect, or he has a purpose for something that we can't fully understand. I wonder if there are people right now, or as people go through various things in their life, and they see how God has operated in their life, up to that point, but then suddenly God leads them to a place they've never been before. Or God does something that is, or allows them to go through something that is a bit unsettling. It's not recorded here in Exodus 14, 
But I'd like to know what those people were thinking when they saw the cloud that had been in front of them suddenly go behind them. I want you to also notice here in this text that it shows us that God not only separated and protected them from the enemy, but he also literally had their back. I don't know if, I don't know if this is the place where, where we, we, we get that expression, but God literally had their back. He was protecting them. Notice also how it says that this God-directed cloud, this, this pillar of cloud, brought light to one side and darkness to the other. Now, I, 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 I can't fully get my head around how something like that could be, but this, this pillar, it somehow put light on one side and darkness on the other. You know, as I imagine this scene in my mind and I, I see this pillar of cloud, it had to be a really bad thing to be a, an Egyptian soldier that day. Think of that. One minute, they're closing in on this defenseless group of Jewish people who, who they're thinking, man, we're, this, is, this, is, this is easy. <laughs> These people are not warriors. They're not fit for battle. And, and we're the best of the best. This is going to be a quick mop-up operation. And they're thinking, man, here we go. We've got our, our chariots and our horses and our armies and our weaponry. And then in the very next moment, they're struck into total darkness. Had to be a bad day to be a part of the Egyptian army. I want to also point this out, that one of the main gods, false gods, pagan gods of the Egyptian people was the god Ra. Maybe you've heard of Ra. It was the sun god. I point that out because here are these people whose primary God, whose main God was the, the God of light, the God of the sun, suddenly is nowhere to be seen, and they're cast into total darkness. You read back a little bit further in the book of Exodus, you see that the, the ninth plague, the ninth judgment that came on the people of Egypt to ultimately release the people of Israel was also darkness upon the face of the land for a period of time. This was a direct affront to what these Egyptian people believed, that their God, their most powerful God, Ra, but now suddenly they're in absolute darkness. It was a bad day to be a part of the Egyptian army. And here's the thing, it, it wasn't going to get any better. It was going to get a whole lot worse. So there's darkness on one side, there's light on the other. And I've read this many times. I've read this text many times. But when I was studying this recently, I thought of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It's a very familiar verse. Let me read it to you. It says this, that, we come as, that when we come to Christ, we are called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I thought of that when, when, when we come to Jesus Christ, when we surrender our lives to him, we go from a place of darkness to a place of light. Some of you who may be listening, you, you know about Jesus, you know about the Bible, and you know maybe even some of the points of this story. But are you living in light or are you living in spiritual darkness? Jesus made it possible for us to come into a living relationship with him. The Bible, in fact, even describes Jesus as light and life. 
And when we experience new life in Christ, we come into the light of his presence. And so this morning, if you have not experienced that, glory to God, you can. We want you to respond to this. If, if maybe you're, you're saying, I, I want to know how to come to Christ and how to, how to live in spiritual light rather than in the darkness, then, then we want you to respond and there will be a place for you to do that. By the way, this, with this text here, you see that, that, that uh, uh, Moses did what, what God had instructed. Look at verse 21. It says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove, back, drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and he, and, it, and he turned it into dry land. When I read this and I get this image of Moses stretching out his hand, we all also know from that previous verse that he stretched out his staff. Does anyone else ever think this, that when you think of Moses in the Bible, he looks a little bit like Charlton Heston? I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But Moses raised his hand and he raised that staff, that staff that had earlier in his life been a shepherd's staff, but now it was the the staff of God. He raises this over this body of water. And verse 21 continues, the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. <laughs> there was a, a wall of water on their right and on their left. Both sides, are, there's this wall of water. Now, I have heard of pools of water and bodies of water and, and, and uh, uh, waves of water and flood waters, but, I, but walls of water, wall is, a wall is something that is built up. A wall is something that is, is piled up. For the first time, it wouldn't be the last time, there would actually be a, a couple, uh, three other places in Scripture where God divided a body of water, but this was the first time it records that God piled up water into these walls, walls of water. And it also says here that God also dried the bottom surface of the sea so that people didn't get stuck in the mud. Again, I have a hard time getting my head around how this must have looked. These, these, these people going through and, and a wall of water here, a wall of water here, and instead of a, 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 a seabed that, that you would you know, slip into the ooze, it says that it was dry. God made it possible so they wouldn't be stuck in the mud. Again, I don't know if that's where we got this expression, but God was concerned about these people that they would get through this, that they would get through it quickly enough and, and easily enough. God made it possible. God cared so much about his people that he will pile up water and he will dry out the very seabed to make it possible for his people to go through. This must have been an amazing experience for these people to, to see this, to experience this. Of course, no one had ever seen anything quite like this before. But these people, the people of Israel, these people that God had spoken centuries earlier to the, the man Abraham and said, I'm, I'm, going to make, I'm going to make a people out of your descendants. These people had one objective. We talked about it earlier. They were to go forward. 
That's what they were to do. They weren't to figure out exactly why it was piling up or how it was that God had made this seabed dry. They had one directive, one purpose, and that is they were to go forward and to go through. You know, I've found that when challenging times come, when either corporately or individually we experience things that stretch us like no other time, I found that it's really important then to focus on the essentials. These people put one foot in front of the other and to keep going forward. Just keep going. Don't worry about the enemy behind them. Don't worry about how long it's going to take to make the journey to the promised land. Don't try and figure out all of the physics of how water can pile up and ground can become suddenly so dry. It was just to go forward. As we walk with Jesus Christ, when he calls us into a relationship with him, when we begin that relationship, especially at all times, but especially at the most challenging of times, our objective must be to do the basics. To me, you know what the basics are? I have to do it every day. And I say that not as a pastor or a preacher, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, is to spend time with him. To spend time with him. Woke up early this morning, about 3, 3.30, I woke up this morning, and, and uh, the first thing I did is I reached over and I grabbed my Bible that's beside my bed and I just began reading it. God really began to speak to me. Again, not and comfort me, not, not because of what I do, but because of who I am in Christ. I find those things sustain me. My time in prayer, pushing all of the demands, all of the expectations, all of the, the, the to-do list that I have, that you have, to push all of that aside and to spend some time with God. It's also really important to spend time with my family, to, to, to do those basics, to do those essentials, but more than anything, spend some time with my Lord. As you're going through some really challenging times, maybe you're trying to figure out why is this happening or how long is it going to be or, or what is it going to mean to me or what's it going to mean to my family, to my job, to my income, to my health. So times like this when we really need to focus on just going forward because that's what God's called me to do. I, I'm, I'm walking in relationship with him and I'm moving forward. And I'm leaving the rest to the Lord. Again, verse 22. We read it a few moments ago. We're given this powerful statement. And, and I don't know if you underline in your Bibles or highlight, but, but this is a really good one. In verse 22, this powerful statement, it says this. And the Israelites went through. The Israelites went through. Well, that's, that statement through or that word through is so important. They went through. God didn't lead them halfway through the Red Sea on this piled up water and this dry ground. No one, I am very confident, set up camp or said, you know what, this would be a nice place for a homestead. That says they went through. God took his people through this time. God did it then and God does it now. God brings his people through. He gives them the directions to go forward. 
but he makes it possible for them to go through. I don't know exactly all that you're going through right now. I don't know all of the challenges that you have, but I know that there are many. These weeks we're experiencing this, we're spending a lot of time, a lot more time, calling people and contacting people and seeing how they're doing. And I'm beginning to hear some pretty heavy things that people are going through. But as your pastor this morning, I want to encourage you. Keep going forward, trusting God, and he will bring us through this. Some centuries after this event, the Spirit of God, who not only inspired Exodus 14, but every other chapter of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, through a prophet named Isaiah, said this, and it's recorded in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 3, read this way. And I think it, it will sound different now, or it will mean something more than it did even just a few moments ago. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3, reads this way. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. A few moments ago, I talked about how when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, when we surrender our lives to him, when we acknowledge that we can't fix ourselves and that he alone can be our Lord, that he alone can fix us and heal us and forgive us and direct us and provide for us and protect us. When we understand that and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, and we simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I'm a sinner. I've, I've failed. I can't fix myself, but you can. When we simply pray, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the dead for me and for everyone else who calls upon your name. When we believe that and we, we accept Jesus Christ, we begin walking with him and he brings us through. Can I just read that again? This is for you. It was written to people a long time ago, but it's the living word and it's for you. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine, says God. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flame will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. See, see hear how personal that is. Many years ago when I was a boy, um, my family went through a really difficult time where we lost so much. And it was, a, it was kind of a Red Sea experience. And yet even as a boy, uh, I experienced and, and I, I learned firsthand how God cares for us and he cares for his people. Not only at a, on the shores or in the, the seabed of the Red Sea a long time ago, not only for the, the people of Israel during, during Isaiah's time, but he cared for me and for my family. And I saw how God provided and he brought us through that time. There have been other times since then when me as an individual or my wife and I and our family have gone through some really 
stretching times, and I saw every time how God brought us through. God brings us through. I thank God for that. There's one more reference that I want to share with you before we close. We're going to continue this on next week. We look forward to the conclusion of this Red Sea experience. But let me read one more, one more reference that you've heard, perhaps. Some of you even maybe memorized it. It's from Psalm 23, verse 4. And it says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the same God who used a man named Moses with his staff through what was the most difficult experience of their existence up to that point is the same God who is going to bring you through this valley, who's going to bring you through this time, who has a purpose on the far shore, and he is going to bring us through. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I have a list of all of the people in our church, even those who are only here just occasionally. I'm praying for you. God has a greater purpose beyond this time. In fact, he has a purpose for this time as he's bringing us through. Wherever you are listening to this or watching this, would you right now just bow your heads with me? Lord, I am so grateful for the promises of your word and that the events of Exodus chapter 14 are not simply given to us for the purpose of informing us of the history of the people of Israel, but it's for us. Lord, I pray for my, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever they are, that you would comfort them, that you would sustain them, that you would protect them, that you would give them firm footing, that they would know that you have their back, that you have a plan that, that is on the other side of this experience. Thank you, Jesus, for the comfort and the peace. We don't always, we can't always understand everything, Lord. We don't know how you do it always. We don't even always know why you do it. But Lord, we place during this time and any other time, Lord, we place our trust in you. We can put our trust in no one else. Thank you, Lord, that you bring us out of darkness and you bring us into the place of light. Thank you, Jesus, that we are yours and that you are bringing us through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Thank you for joining us. And we're going to gather again together next Sunday. And we're going to do this until we're through this particular valley this season. God has a plan. God bless you today.